0: it's Amelia Quint. Welcome to Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. Before we start, this is going to be a tough episode, so content warning, we're diving deep. First, I wasn't sure if I even wanted to release an episode this week. I was honestly deeply torn between the decision to share something or just stay quiet The murder of George Floyd showed us something we've known about America for so long, but have been unwilling to face, which is the reality that black people are not treated equally in our society, and in most cases, aren't treated as worthy of their very breath or life. I posted about this on Twitter, but I think the North Node and Gemini, which rules the lungs, alongside Mercury and Cancer, which rules care and affection and protection, is really opening our eyes to... These issues which are so important. It also means that we have to speak up and we have to care. We have to be vocal about our support of the black community. We must protect and love and serve our fellow American citizens and fight against the systemic injustices done to black people regularly. I actually wanted to mention the way that Saturn and Aquarius is influencing the situation um obviously there's social distancing which has been going on since march or so um you know i think about it as if saturn is distance and aquarius is social it feels kind of like a good mad libs everyone kind of thing but there is a the deeper question of the coming of age of both the internet as well as movements to fight for justice in this case for black people. So typically with Saturn, there are challenges and difficulties, especially early on in a transit, and I think that that is absolutely what we're seeing with the black tile controversy, which kind of erased very important resources from social media, um, which is a very Saturn and Aquarius effect. We're seeing um, blockages and delays Um, You know, meant, I'm sure, with the highest of ideals uh, and intentions um, that had unexpected consequences. So, you know, as we move forward, I'm hoping that Saturn and Aquarius will help us become more organized and clear, both in person and online in the ways that we protest whether it's with our presence at physical protests, with our votes, with our social media accounts and our platforms, or just our simple unwillingness to let someone's racist comment slide in our presence. Um, Usually this is the part when I say join us on Patreon, but I'm not gonna do that right now. Uh, Instead, I encourage you to use those funds to donate to organizations that are committed to ending racial bias in America and mending our broken criminal justice system. I personally, for Pride Month, have been donating to organizations like Glitz that are helping black trans women find um, affordable housing after getting out of Rikers Island. So find something that means something very specific to you and find a unique way to donate that's as as unique as you are, because everyone needs to help in, in whatever small way that they can. Um, I also want you to think about something that you can give, whether it's your resources, your time, your talents, or your magic to support the movement and those carrying it forward. Um, As for me, this is one of my offerings. I hope it helps you heal and gives you something to hold on to and maybe a laugh (laughs) along the way because we need it. So let's get started, shall we? Okay, so the big question of the day Are eclipses malefic or magic? Are they portals that can help you manifest your dream life? Or are they malevolent forces that dethrone kings and topple empires? Um, This is the question that's been circulating on Astro Twitter since, I don't know, the dawn of time, uh, the genesis of the internet, um, the advent of the astrology community... Um, but it's a it's a debate that got uh, very spirited last week uh, with the Sagittarius lunar eclipse and um, you know calls to do magic around that time. This is something that always happens, but I feel like it was especially um, peaked at this moment because yeah it's a brand new eclipse cycle and there's there's just lots to think about and most excitingly the astrology community is bigger I think than it's ever been the magical community has grown so much and so there's a lot of people trying to find out lots of things about what is a, what does an eclipse do because I would wager that the sources aren't clear that we have they are in a historical sense but as far as internet astrology as far as i can tell one day uh eclipses just became for manifesting which i'll get into where that actually came along um later on but i think it's really important to first of all acknowledge how pivotal eclipses are in anyone's astrology and magical practice and second of all get a really good understanding of how to work with them because they're going to happen whether you like it or not. And if you're a magical practitioner, I mean, you could just put your work on hold or or not, especially times right now when you need to be doing your work. So this is going to be a primer for anyone who's new to astrology and really wants to understand eclipses, Um, an insight for anyone who's experienced in the craft, but not really initiated into the online drama that surrounds this topic, Um, and hopefully just a lot of fun. I'm kidding, of course, because... The online stuff is mostly in good fun. It's good people who want to save other good people from heartache. And as one very excellent meme that I saw would have it doing the cosmic equivalent of blowing your brains out because you lit a candle during an eclipse or something. It's very, (sighs) there's a lot, but you know, eclipses really spike up the drama. So what what do you expect? So we're going to dig into what eclipses are. The case against eclipse magic the case for it um, advice on how to handle it should you decide to go that route or avoid it if you want nothing to do with it um, and then i will conclude with my own opinions as well as a little bit of a eclipse guide for the rest of the year um, because we are in the midst of eclipse season as i speak And it's going to be the end of an era as we close out one eclipse cycle and the beginning of another one as of last week. And I want you to be as prepared as you possibly can. So what are eclipses exactly? (laughs) Um, It's something that I feel like we just kind of throw out. But when I first started in astrology, eons ago it seems like i i could not get my mind around the terminology um for eclipses so if you're new basically eclipses are you know they are what they are scientifically where um one of the either the the earth comes between the light of the sun or the moon um therefore causing a shadow However, magically, they're just supercharged, newer full moons. Um, They pack an extra punch. Um, So if a lunation, which is a fancy word for a newer full moon, um, with effects lasting about two weeks, so if that's the regular period for how long this lasts, um, eclipses have a much longer period of when you're going to see their effects unfold. It could be as, as long as six months to a year. Um, because these are things that are going to reorient the direction of your life. None of us are perfect. Um, Sorry, if you're listening, I didn't mean to burst your bubble, but none of us are. (laughs) Um, But eclipses are sort of the universe, the cosmos's way of course correcting you. Or alternately opening the road. I love in magic road opener candles, road opener spells. I think it's this really beautiful image of, you know, getting out of your own way and allowing the path to sort of rise up before you and just taking each step. So um, I think of eclipses as either getting out of your own way, being forced to do so sometimes by the universe, or a big road opener candle. So solar eclipses are like mega New moons, um, and it's when the moon comes between the earth and the sun. Um, lunar eclipses are supercharged full moons, it's when the earth comes between the moon and the sun. Um, a more eclipse terminology you might want to know um, they're either penumbral, annular, or total um, to describe the intensity of how much uh, each thing is going to be shadowed out, right? Um, and those things are growing in intensity with total being the most. Um, so the eclipse that we just had was penumbral, and I really loved um, Austin Kopic on the astrology podcast talking about how uh, it's kind of wimpy, right? Like it's not <laughs> fully blocking it out, and so therefore you get... Um, it's important, and it's still an eclipse. Uh, an eclipse is an eclipse, but... Um, But it's not going to have this sort of whopper of an effect that a total eclipse, like the one that we're coming up on um, just after the solstice, is going to be like. So, now that we have established what eclipses are and how they work in the sky, let's talk about the case against eclipses. So... The sort of uh, hate for eclipses starts really early, like the inception of astrology early. So the Babylonians believe that eclipses signaled the death of a king. Um, this is why, you know, this still is part of our eclipse lore. It's why during the great American eclipse back in August of 2017, everybody thought that in some way President Trump was going to get dethroned um and and that's a complicated conversation in and of itself um but that mythos that image of of the king losing his crown in an almost tarot card tower-like fashion is very much something that is conjured up anytime there's an eclipse um also this might be where that uh uh trending hashtag attack and dethrone god came in that was like the morning after the Sagittarius lunar eclipse. It made me laugh so hard, um, but we'll get to that later. Um, so the reason why it's pretty obvious It's the solar figure is always the, the authority. You know, even Christianity sort of adopted Sol Invictus, the um, undefeatable sun god um, as being their god. So the solar figure being blocked out in some way Um, During the solar eclipse is a terrifying image. Um, You know, it it just isn't natural. I remember seeing the, strangely enough, the solar eclipse in August of 2017. My town in South Carolina was the number one best viewing place for it uh, across the globe. And so I felt very lucky as an astrologer to get to witness that event. But it is so unusual and uncanny seeing a total solar eclipse like that. It's just the sky takes on this unearthly purple hue and the temperature drops like, I don't know, like 10 degrees all of a sudden. And I remember it was hot and muggy in the summer and there's bees buzzing everywhere and just like mosquitoes. And as soon as the totality began, the mosquitoes and the wasps that were, like, circling the flowers outside just, like, stopped. It was, like, I don't know, it was, like, they got knocked offline or something. I know they're not electronic, but it was just so strange to see those physical effects of the eclipse acting on the environment. And so, if you think about how much the eclipse impacts the actual, literal nature environment that you're standing in, you can imagine the sort of metaphysical effects it might have. Anyways, back to the case against eclipses from the ancients. Um, Also, the blood red color of lunar eclipses was always pretty ominous. I think it's pretty creepy um, where you get things like the blood moon from, and so it sort of heralded potential assassinations and so on and so forth. But also, you have to consider that because of In some cases, like in Babylonia, how astrology was being used, it was the sources that we have are often related to, I mean, this is what people were looking for. I guess it's what people are still looking for is, you know, who's going to be president next and um, how is the exchange of power going to look? But yeah, they weren't as concerned with the individual effects of an eclipse. It was very much um, focused on the rulers. Um, So, as for Hellenistic astrology, so astrology for the Greeks, um, Vettius Valens, who uh, was an extremely prolific Hellenistic astrologer, um, he did not like eclipses. He was adamantly against them because of the way they interacted with the nodes, uh, the moon's nodes, which rolled over fate, right? So, this guy if you want to learn more about his work, it's, I mean, it's all available online pretty much. You can find it pretty readily. Um, but Chris Brennan of the Astrology Podcast literally wrote the book on Hellenistic Astrology. Um, grab a copy if you're curious. Um, but he does a great job breaking down the sort of, like, rant that Valens goes on of, like, really, really, you know, dragging eclipses, (laughs) so to speak. Um, And this makes sense to me in a modern sense this way. So eclipses are inextricably linked with fate through the nodes. Um, The nodes, you've probably heard about them in modern astrology as being related to, I don't know, whether or not you were famous in a past life or how you can live your best life in this life. Those sorts of very new age types of things, and I'm, I'm, you know, I jest, I'm being overly harsh with it, but I will, I'll give you my positive spin in a minute, but, um, you know, they are like the eclipses, they reveal something of your fate. I think in astrology, the question of fate versus free will is really complicated, but the nodes do sort of show, um, and eclipses activate times when you don't always get to have a say you can always choose how you react to to things but the eclipses and at times the nodes are the universe throwing you a wild card or dealing you a hand that you weren't ready for even if it's a good you weren't ready for it you weren't ready for it and you have to adapt and so i think that if you are doing astrology like we all do to try to find a way to make your life better and easier And more of a delight and more of an inspiration. I think that those moments where fate rises up to meet us, where we have to contend with the fact that we're a part of something much larger with ourselves, those are not comfortable moments. That's been talked about on this show plenty of times that, you know, I love doing pretty things with my magic and with my astrology as much as the next person. But when it comes to, looking into the future, or even looking into your own heart to see who you really are, that can be a huge challenge and something that can be frightening, even terrifying. So I get it. The nodes bring up things about ourselves, our deepest struggles, and also our greatest potential to rise up to. Um, and it can be hard to be faced with that and be honest about it and say, well, yeah, South Node is an area where I could do a lot better. And the North Node, I'm a long way from being that person at all. It seems so far off. So it's going to take a lot of work to get there. So I think, you know, that is not, that individual side of things is not necessarily what the ancients were thinking of. But as we look at the eclipse, hey, it's a way for us to, in our modern context, understand it. So here's the thing. I truly get it. Like, I wax poetic about the nodes because it's the kind of astrology I was brought up in. Um, I really recommend Astrology for the Soul by Jen Spiller. It's outstanding. Um, And my Pisces Mars loves anything with a mystical spin on it. But like even that book and other books specifically related to the nodes um, warned that the South Node is kind of categorically not good. (laughs) Um, I don't like to make proclamations like that. I wouldn't say not good, but it is challenging it is difficult it's tough um you know in the vedic lore it's the tail of the dragon the south node is as opposed to the head of the dragon um the k2 to rahu um and when you think of the tail it's kind of like it is i don't know taking out the shit taking out the trash like eliminating uh you know toxins from the body um and while that's a necessary process like it's not really a process that's like glamorous or fun like we sometimes dress it up to be um so that's the background that's that's where people are coming from when you get online and they say oh my gosh eclipses are malefic i don't agree that eclipses are malefic and i will talk more about that later on but in the meantime. Let's talk about full moon manifestation or manifesting during eclipse. I'm using that as a catch-all phrase for should you perform some sort of magical ritual during an eclipse, surrounding an eclipse, why would you do that? What does it mean? So we've already talked about two historically grounded strikes against eclipses. Um, So where does the part about them being all magical manifestation points come in? Um... My answer is, I don't know exactly. Um, but this is the, the best understanding that I could provide. Um, circa the uh, 1970s, astrology as a practice really got woven in with what we sort of lumped together as New Age beliefs and witchcraft. Um, and it was sort of all marketed under the occult self-help uh, section of the bookstore that we still go to and know and love. I say that as an absolute lover of all things that you would find there. Um, so, you know, this was also the a bit of a feminist awakening. You know, there was a lot of feminine asteroids being added to astrology. Um, so everything was starting to have a little bit of that self-help um, slant to it. And I can only imagine, I don't know this for sure, but I can only imagine that the books from around that time and when you start to see astrology as um, self-help or astrology as modern magical practice, I'm not talking about grimoires, I'm not talking about hermetic or kabbalistic magic, I'm just talking about um, light a candle on the full moon in the most simplistic of terms. Um I think that's when that started to grow, and then with the the boom of occult books with, like, the craft in the 90s, um, and then especially in the last several years with the witchcraft trend, um, you know, obviously, specifically Wicca, but many witchcraft tra- traditions center around the worship of, or honoring in some way, the moon as, um, the goddess, and so, um, following, they call them the S-bots. so that would be the lunation, what we would call lunation, Wiccans would call an S-bot. Um, and it's a time when you do a ritual of some kind to honor the moon as a goddess, um, or reflect your own lunar self. So I think as that grew in massive, massive popularity, um, the practices for full new moon as and eclipse as a spot got a little bit mixed up with eclipses and full and new moons as astrology practice to the point where thanks to the internet and the lovely angel fire sites that I so miss that like I don't know like blink stars at you and are like have like a green background with like hot pink writing on them (laughs) sorry that was a weird nostalgic trip um I think it got to a point it, where it's indistinguishable one from the other and i think what is good about the sort of movement towards hellenistic and medieval astrology that we're seeing online um, is that we are starting to untangle our roots because we have access to texts that are translated that we didn't have before we just have more knowledge um, and we also have more witchcraft information than ever before and i think you know people are they're fucking smart, they're gonna, and they're curious, and they love astrology and witchcraft, and so I think it is really wonderful that we're digging in and trying to find, trying to untangle them, or at least understand how they can run parallel to one another. So as far as practicing magic on a new or full moon, if you're not a magical practitioner, I use that as a catch-all term for if you would call yourself a witch Um, If you practice another form of mysticism, if you follow maybe an um, African diasporic religion like voodoo or hoodoo or sansuria, um, those things are a bit separate from maybe the astrological advice. Um, Do your rituals that you would normally do for whatever your spiritual belief is. But I think that educating yourself on the astrology behind it can be really, really helpful. So just from a purely new moon, full moon perspective, I think that Mecca Woods, aka at the mechanism on Twitter, has a really great balanced view of this. Um, She says, do your manifesting on the new moon and then allow things to sort of come to light under the full moon. Um, you know, the full moon is actually an opposition in astrology. It's the opposition of the sun and the moon. And oppositions are hard as hell, right? It's, you know, two things that are having this, in the sky, this sort of irreconcilable conflict. So, you know, it, it makes sense astrologically that the full moon might not be the best time to manifest. However, I will say that from my own experience, I think you should manifest Anytime you motherfucking want, right? If you feel called to do some sort of magic, don't let anybody else's opinions on magic or anything at all stop you. You should be listening to your intuition and not what anybody else says about anything. And that is on that. That's period. Like, there's no other advice I could possibly give you besides that. Now, I will say... The caveat is that you need to understand what that specific eclipse is doing in the sky, right? I'm not saying throw all caution to the wind and ignore the astrology that you're dealing with. Because astrology, it is the cosmic weather, right? You wouldn't go outside without a raincoat. If there was a tornado warning, you probably wouldn't go, like, driving out on the highway if you didn't absolutely have to, right, stay home in a safe place, And astrology is much the same, right? So I guess you could call eclipses like cosmic thunderstorm warnings, right? They come with a lot of flashes, a lot of lightning, Um, and and you want to be safe. But they are very powerful, and they have a lot of energy. So if you want to make the most of that in some way, or you're doing magic like so many people have come to... um, for liberation and to work with chaos to sort of protect um, protesters and to abolish the police and so on and so forth, it it might be a good thing to use that sort of intensity to channel into your magic. So more on that in a minute. I'm going to come back to that, but I just want to talk about eclipse magic as a thing so every time there's eclipses astrology twitter breaks out the popcorn and just like watches everyone restart the feud all over again um so is eclipse magic a good or bad thing i don't know in general blanket statements in astrology and in life are not a good idea at all um i love what michael cardenas of old ways apothecary says Um, he posted that he's done some of his most effective work during eclipses. Um, The double action work is really effective. You don't have to approach whatever you're, or you have to approach whatever you're working on from multiple angles and use chaos to your advantage. Also working within a ritual circle is key. So you see the difference between someone who might just be a casual astrology observer and says, I think I'm going to make a wish for a new job at this time. So you can imagine all the ways that that, might backfire, right? Maybe they get a new job, and it's so full of upheaval and drama that they they really wish they hadn't taken it. Um, Or alternately, the transition is sudden and shocking, and while it ends up being a good thing for their life, they're sort of overwhelmed by the um, the abrupt changes going on in their life. Um, but you can see that if you are working to, I don't know, like Fox News said, attack and dethrone God, this might be the energy you want to, you want to work with. I'm using those metaphysical words because online, and also for me, astrology goes hand in hand with magic. In some ways, they're one and the same. They diverge, but they are layers of the same cake, right? Um, you don't always have one without the other. Um, you know, if you begin to study the energies of the planets and figuring out how to plan your life by the cycles of the stars, I mean, that is a form of magic, and it's important to view it as such, I think. So, in addition, more uh, hot eclipse takes from the internet, um, Phosphor Astrology, which is a great account, um, they said... If you were going to perform magic intended to overthrow perpetrators of state violence, then why wouldn't you do it during an eclipse? I don't know. Why wouldn't you? Um, so overall, just to summarize, please, for the love of all that is holy or unholy, know about the eclipse that you are working with or that you're going to do your ritual around. Read that eclipse chart up, down, and fucking sideways. And by that, I mean... Pull the chart for the moment of the eclipse from Astro.com, not CoStar. CoStar is trash. They did some really, really messed up posts related to the protests, and you should delete it off your phone. Um, So go to Astro.com, pull the chart for the eclipse, and see what beyond what sign it's in, because I see a lot of... um, astrologers who write for more mainstream publications, they will just take the meaning of the sign and put a positive manifesting spin on it. Like, for example, for the Sagittarius eclipse, before COVID-19, I know all of the predictions would have been, this is a great time to get on a plane and go on a trip. Um, You know, something that is like really glamorous and fun. Um, But as you'll see, the aspects really complicated that. So look beyond the sign it's in and see what the ruler of that sign is doing, right? So with the example of the Sagittarius eclipse, Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter, and Jupiter is currently in Capricorn, where it hates to be, right? So yeah, it's still a Jupiter-ruled eclipse, and yeah, I am of the camp that would say, eh, Jupiter-ruled eclipse for the most part, I think jupiter ruled things are gonna have a positive outcome notice i didn't say fun or nice or enjoyable outcome i said a good outcome sometimes the things that are good or positive for us maybe don't feel that way in the moment um beyond that the aspects that the specific eclipse is making is everything right so if you have a heap of sextiles and trines and other really nice things that are all sort of like harmonious and playing well together, like by all means manifest away. But if you have something like last Friday's Sagittarius lunar eclipse, which is what which was part of a mutable T square, um, a T square being an opposition and two squares, so very challenging aspects, which sort of bring it. It makes a 90 degree square. Uh, 90 degree square. (laughs) Astrology is math, but I have an English degree, so I don't want to hear it from y'all. It makes a 90 degree uh, triangle, a right triangle, Um, and you can think of it as a driver, right? So um, it's pushing towards whatever the apex of that is, Um, and in this case, that was Mars, and Mars is a traditional malefic, and it's also just combustible, it's challenging. And Mars is conjunct Neptune in Pisces right now. So you have this intense, emotional, passionate, passive-aggressive, stressed-out, steamy, just pile of turd. I'm. <laughs> it's not a turd. It's really not. Um, but you see what I mean. If you have that kind of... Um, that kind of alignment, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be a cakewalk. And it's going to be a time when you want to, instead of saying, I would like to manifest my dream car, you could rewrite that spell or sort of rewrite your journal entry as, I want to level up. I feel really unhappy with where I'm at. And these are the reasons why. These are the emotions I'm experiencing. And this is how I'm going to use those emotions to fuel me towards the goal, which would be the apex, right? It's possible to do anything that you want with astrology anytime. You just have to be smart about it. So that's why learning all the little intricate details and specifics makes all the difference. So I want to do a brief aside on elections and hoary astrology and creating your own astrological materia magica. So If you're new to astrology, that is a lot of fancy words just to say um, using astrology to pick a specific time to do something or using astrology to create magical items that you will later use in a ritual context or like blessing a candle or something like that. I have been getting terrified emails and texts of people asking me not just about the eclipse, but I'm really nervous to try making this oil or try lighting this candle on this day because I'm afraid the election isn't good enough or I'm afraid that something bad will happen to me or so on and so forth and I know that there has been a trend towards electional astrology and I think it's good to understand that I think it's good to pick as much as it is available to you um, more auspicious dates for things otherwise like why would astrology exist but my goodness, do not stress yourself. If you feel called to try something, to experiment with it, do it, right? Just do it, you know? I think that I've seen, I've definitely seen some companies sort of perpetuating this and saying, you know, this is the best day, and if you, if you do this, something bad will happen to you, or it could backfire. And like, yeah, we've all had spells backfire, right? But you're you're as likely to have a spell backfire from maybe wording it wrong as you are from doing it on a specific day. And I am a 100% believer in serendipity and fate allowing certain elections to just be there right when you need them. You know, like we are living on divine or magical timing and, you know, I don't want someone else's belief about what's best to take your own magical practice away from you, right? That is yours, and you should follow your heart, be aware, be educated about what you're going into, like I just explained, with the aspects, with all the signs, the dignities of everything. But do not worry, and certainly no need to text me. I'm always going to say just Go for it, or just be smart. You know, um, someone asked me, should I do this type of ritual on the Sagittarius eclipse? It's for sexuality, and I was like, oh, you know what might be great is if you did it a day before, uh, during the Scorpio moon, which is related to sex. It, it was perfect, right? Um, but it wasn't something where there was a lot of terror, or fear, or gnashing of teeth about, you know, what the right election for that was. I, I want. I want to allow the sort of medieval practices of of election and horary um, and all that to surface in the world without totally eclipsing, haha, sorry for the bad pun, the beauty of kismet um, that we all have access to, and also our own instinct and intuition, which can guide us to do things at just the right time that, you know... Astrology be damned. You never know. Things might just work out. So that's that. What can I say? Um, I do want to talk just very, very briefly about the eclipse cycle that's ending and the eclipse cycle that just started. So if you're new to astrology, eclipses go in cycles um, that are in opposite signs um, eclipses follow the entry of the nodes into a new set of signs. So on May 5th, we had the north node into Gemini, and south node into Sagittarius, um, the 5th of May, to be specific. And then on June 5th, we had the first Sagittarius lunar eclipse, which is kicking off, um, about two or so years of eclipses along that axis, right? So... We're phasing out the cancer Capricorn eclipse situation. So that's been going on for about the last two years. And it's really deeply affected our relationship to security. You know, we've seen so much change with the government, with the way that women speak and are viewed through, for example, the Me Too movement. Um, we've seen the the gross abuses of power within the political structure um and i think in all of our individual lives we've really seen um with the cancer the sort of emotional security and resources that we need and then in the capricorn side how that relates to the material and financial resources that we need to really feel like our maslow's hierarchy is like stable and where we want it to be um it has been particularly important because the United States chart is a Cancer, obviously July 4th, and it's having a Pluto return in Capricorn. So if people don't have Pluto returns, it would take too long and we'd be dead. Maybe in like hundreds of years we'll have Pluto returns if we stay around as a species that long. Um, but yeah, because... Uh, The United States itself is being eclipsed. And by that, I mean having eclipses in its sign. And then with its Pluto involved, we've seen just changes that I for for the worse and hopefully for the better with the protests that I couldn't have even fathomed being possible, um, you know, before that. You know, I think also Neptune and Pisces opposing the nation's Neptune is this conflict of ideals and sort of dishonesty about what we actually believe in and stand for. And then square the United States, Mars, things are really starting to get heated. Um, But I do think, I'm curious to see how things will change um, once we shift to the uh, Sagittarius-Gemini axis. Um... I am curious how things will change when we shift to the Gemini-Sagittarius axis. Um, in the world at large, I'm already intrigued, by the way, that uh, the South Node and the Eclipse in Sagittarius, which is related to publishing, is sort of cleaning house in the publishing industry, so to speak. There's tons of tweets about Um, equity in payment in publishing, about um, failures and mistreatments within uh, large organizations like Condé Nast specifically. Um, So we'll see. We'll see what publishing looks like. I can only hope that maybe this will pave the way for new, better structures to emerge. But only time will tell. In the meantime, later this month on June 21st, we have a cancer solar eclipse at zero degrees, which I'm really excited about. It's the third in a series of summertime um, cancer solar eclipses that have happened for the last three summers. Um, And I'm calling it the reparenting eclipse. Um, So it's conjunct Vesta in Cancer and the North Nodes in Gemini at 29 degrees. Um, which I think is really interesting. I think this has a lot to do with being of service and being vocal about it. Um, As we've seen activism just spike on social media, I think we're going to see more of that and see it sort of come of age or reset in some kind of way, right? Um, It's on Asteroids Hygieia, um, which is the goddess, a Greek goddess of health, um and chaos. So I'm not saying this is necessarily like a second outbreak of COVID or anything, but I think it's you having to deal with the shifts that COVID-19 has brought into your life. Um, and then that square uh, with Mars conjunct Neptune and Pisces, even though it's out of sign, I think sort of ratchets up the emotional intensity. Every eclipse is emotionally intense, but I think you really will have to I've been talking a lot online on Instagram about the inner work that goes along with external movements. You know, it is so important to share resources, but it's also important, especially as white people, to look within ourselves and and see how we can do better and how as a society we can better support our our other communities who are black or indigenous or otherwise people of color um, it's really everything. Um, I think the sort of wide square to Chiron in Aries is also going to bring that healing in a sort of raw, like, you know, when you have a wound that's actually healing, I had a, a scrape on my side recently, and, you know, it stings. Like, it really, we throw around these images in astrology, but you forget the way that healing skin really has this sense of discomfort and itchiness and pain right and I think that is going to be so much of the cancer solar eclipse especially with the Queen Kungs, um from Saturn and Aquarius there's that discomfort that awkwardness right that comes from social growth and social change right we're having to have conversations that we don't know how to have it's awkward we're we're all doing our best but like Everyone is tired. Everyone's exhausted. And I think the reason why I'm calling it the reparenting eclipse is just because we're going to have to become our own guardians and our own caretakers during this moment. Like, it's absolutely essential. Um, You're going to have to give yourself the love that you didn't get. And I know that seems impossible, but you can do it, right? You're grown and you have everything within you that you need, and that's what this eclipse is about. And then the very last eclipse um, on the Capricorn Cancer axis is a Capricorn lunar eclipse at 13 degrees Um, on July 5th. um, It's at 444 universal time, which amongst the new age folks is related to building, uh, building things. So I think that's Um, very in line with the sort of structured energy of Capricorn. And so if the Cancer eclipse is the reparenting eclipse, I'm calling this the rebuilding eclipse. So I'm looking forward to it because it's widely conjunct Jupiter. Um, It's a 10 degree orb, which is like technically the largest. It's more like co-present, which means it's just in the same sign. But, you know, I think it still matters and with Saturn retrograde back into Capricorn that same day, and Pluto there as well, I think this is going to be sort of the last lesson from, you know, Dad Apocalypse, Capricorn City of, of the last year. Um, it ties it up with a bow and with Jupiter there, thinking of how things went over Christmas with that uh, December 26th really lovely uh, eclipse. I think this is going to be... Maybe a relief. I'm not going to say it's going to be a good thing, but it can be a sense of relief. It's going to be opposite Mercury retrograde and Cancer, and so I think there will be this inner emotional coming to terms with things. Um, and the really intriguing part about this is that it's in a sort of wide square to Mars and Aries, in nine-degree orb, uh, which is on the chart's ascendant. So I feel like this really reveals more about the Mars retrograde that's coming in the fall. So um I talked about this briefly amongst my Patreon supporters in my June forecasts and horoscopes, but um I'm describing so if, if Mars and Aries is like a Ferrari. You just have like the beautiful red car. They can go as fast as you want. It's like driving a Ferrari in reverse. Like it's still a Ferrari, but it's going to get really weird when you try to go that fast in that direction. So, you know, I would say it'll give you an inkling as far as the rebuilding of where to put your momentum, where to put your energy up until September 9th when that retrograde begins. Um, I'm also really excited about the square that, um, this eclipse has to Lilith and Chiron and Aries. Um, the Sagittarius, uh, lunar eclipse had this as well, but they were trines. Um, but I think this is you sort of being completely unwilling to accept the status quo and agitating for healing within your own life and within the lives of those in your community, so... It's a lot. Astrology is a lot, and we've, we've been through a lot already this summer, but we're all in it together, and the stars are backing you up every step of the way. So in conclusion, it's been a weird episode. <laughs> Thank you for listening if you made it this far. Um, what's my take on eclipses? Honestly, I love them, but in the words of Labar Burton, you don't have to take my word for it. <laughs> Here's my advice. First, don't overschedule eclipses because fate is going to take its course and it doesn't care much about your plans. But number two, do know what's happening with the eclipse and take advantage of it, even if that means lighting a candle or two. So are eclipses malefic? Probably not, although it probably feels that way if you're out of alignment with the sort of direction that life wants you to go in. Are they magical? Sure. All astrology is magic. The answer, with all things, is intimately complicated and beautiful. And that's why we keep coming back to these magical arts anyways, right? So, I hope this helps you. Good luck with the rest of your eclipse season. If you enjoyed this so far, consider going over to patreon.com badastro and joining uh, to get the horoscopes, forecasts, uh, Q&A videos, and so on and so forth. And most importantly please, please, please take care of yourself this eclipse season. I love you very, very much. Bye.